this is Molly McLaughlin, founder of Sleep is a Skill. And if you're looking to be in better health and lose weight, and in this case, certainly with myself, uh, sleep better, then you should be listening to the Hacked Life podcast with my good friend, Joel Evans. All right. I'm here with Molly McLaughlin. She's the founder of Sleep is a Skill Company that optimizes people's sleep through a unique blend of technology, accountability, and behavioral change. Molly, welcome to the show. Ah, Joel, thank you so much for having me. I know we had the opportunity to meet in person a while back and excited to be reunited on here. Yeah, likewise. You are my first sleep expert ever to have on the show. I don't know why. This is like my this will be like my seventieth something episode. I've never had a sleep expert, so I'm really excited to have you on and, and dive deep into this topic. Well, I am so excited to be here and I'm definitely on a mission to transform the conversation around sleep. So happy to speak to it on your show. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, why are you so passionate about sleep? Like what? Yeah. Why? Like, why? Like, don't what? we just, Molly, don't we just go to sleep? Like, that's just, yes. it. like, of all why the things sleep you such do, a big deal? Yeah. one of the things not to think about. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, a great question because it actually really does sort of, um, uh, kind of paint more of the why that I have this obsession, everything I'll be speaking about today, um, kind of more grounded in, in the reasoning for that. And it was really because um, I, at my lowest point um, in my adult life was linked up around sleep. So what that looked like was uh, I was a serial entrepreneur in Manhattan, uh, kind of burning the candle at both ends, really stressed out to the max, um, but just had a lot of labels around my sleep at that time that I'm a short sleeper, I'm a poor sleeper, I'm a night owl, it's in my genes, it's just the way it is, you know, like you'll sleep when you're dead. All of yeah. those sort of um, kind of labels, philosophies, uh, or just thinkings on uh, sleep were of a particular fixed nature. That's just kind of how it is, got to survive it. Um, and it wasn't until I went through my own period of insomnia while traveling internationally that everything sort of changed. I went to like, it was a rock bottom moment in my life. And clearly that doesn't come out of a vacuum. It's like, you know, you're doing all of these things that are just yeah. not working. And uh, the body will certainly let you know with certain symptoms. And one of my symptoms was around, I, I, I can't sleep. That was sort of the uh, internal dialogue. And it felt like I was losing my mind. Like it was just such a place to be in um, that felt so disempowering. And from that place, uh, it really sent me down the rabbit hole on understanding how I could one, solve this problem. Uh, because at my lowest point, I went to the doctors in Croatia and then left with their version of Ambien. Uh, and in that moment it was like, okay, I've got to get at the source of this. And, um, I have to really be, you know, an advocate, uh, for myself in this situation and really understand more. So went down the rabbit hole, learned more um, circadian rhythm entrainment, chronobiology, really the science of time, and was just became so fascinated, um, particularly as I began to be able to uh, get up under my sleep, be able to restore my sleep. And this really took a period of time. We had to actually fly back to the United States because it was just so, like, I couldn't do anything without getting that sleep. It was wild. And so from that place, 
um, really quantifiably restoring my sleep, actually being able to, from a measurable perspective, have not only the type of sleep that I was having before, which as I shared was not that great, uh, it was actually then moving to this whole new level of sleep that I just didn't even think was possible for myself because I had all those labels. Um, and really part of the source point of that was shifting my life as a whole and the habits and the things that I was taking on, um, you know, really turning those upside down to bring about more workability alignment with, you know, these rhythms and why they matter. Uh, and so from that place, just transfer my own sleep and couldn't stop talking about it. So I started working with, uh, people really organically, um, you know, kind of one-on-one huge level of empathy from that at that time of, um, you know, just being able to see how painful it can be when you really can't get that sleep or it's insufficient or poor quality. Uh, and so it grew to small groups. Now we have, um, one-on-one, uh, kind of 90 day packages and, uh, different courses, uh, weekly podcasts, weekly newsletters. Um, you know, kind of sleep assessments, a whole world kind of got created out of that. And from that place, we're now in hotels, we work with high performers, you know, it's just um, a really exciting time, I think, in the world of sleep optimization. And, you know, so for anyone listening that you know, tunes into a sleep related podcast, even if your sleep is feels okay, or you're really struggling or anywhere in between, there's a lot of things we can do to make a difference with it. That is so cool. I mean, so for you, you had all these things going on, stressed out of your mind. You know, I think yeah. with especially with like women, you you know, I coach a lot of people and your hor hormones, hormones, this yes. always comes up and all these things coming up and and burnout and stress and then PCOS and whatever the symptoms manifest in. And for you, you had all these crazy things going on and the one thing you fixed was sleep and that dialed in the rest of your life. Yes. It was like, um, you know, that great book power of habit where they talk about like a keystone habit or any yeah. of those philosophies around, um, shifting certain things in your life. This was like my keystone habit that really changed the game. Um, and I really make the argument, um, that sleep in and of itself for all of us can really act as that one foundational piece by which all these other things can get layered on top of. Um, but I really truly believe that more and more, and from a measurable standpoint, more and more um, studies are coming out around how just insidious, um, you know, sleep deprivation can be in our lives and how much it can just, uh, you know, ripple into virtually every area, really struggle to find an area that it doesn't hit. Uh, so from that place, if you're really looking to take on your health and well-being in any perspective, this can be that foundational um, part of the, of the puzzle. Yeah. And I'm curious because before we jumped on, you were talking that, you know, you, you live in Vegas and, you know, you yes. actually coach in and work with a lot of uh, poker players. I mean, these people are high. They're almost like they're, they're really like athletes. Like they have to be yeah. like they're, they're probably I mean, now it's become these guys aren't just like guys that stay up late and like just this the game. They're like, you know, kids playing a game like these guys are probably taking like brain octane. They're taking ketone supplements They're Now it's become oh, yeah. more of like a sport. Right. So you're working with like some of these high end people. It's like, why, um, I'm curious, like, why, why are they seeking you? What are, what are they starting to realize? Like, yeah, like I need to dial this in. This is an issue. Well, okay. So even to hone in on poker players, cause it is a nice, um, avatar to look at from a perspective that they are uniquely, um, often in an environment that is designed uh, wholly to, 
confuse you on what time it is to cut off any uh, elements of out, uh, external rhythms of nature, if you will. Um, and that's really a lot of conscious effort has gone into the environment that they're in for that. And often um, they can almost fall into the group of kind of uh, shift workers and not even consistent shift workers, which we'd often like to see, but they it's like a rolling shift or um, totally sporadic shifts because they might be playing a tournament that starts at 5 p.m. one week and the next week it's uh, 10 a.m. and the next, you know, uh, and then maybe they have a cash game that goes all throughout the night. Like there's so much variance there. And so from that perspective, it really behooves them because they're looking for any edge that they can personally bring to the table that's outside of what, you know, is in the hands. Uh, so from that place, then sleep suddenly becomes a really important element. And if they're sitting at a table and the entire goal is to be cognitively intact and making important decisions that can, for some of these guys and women, um, can result in a huge, you know, financial gain or loss, um, for them to dial in on something that they can keep them alert throughout those sometimes 12 hour stretches or what have you. Um, it can just make all the difference. So they're starting to realize that. And sometimes they're, um, on the other side of different, kind of quick fixes, like maybe they were taking sleeping pills or supplements yeah. or they've got uppers, they've got downers, uh, there's nicotine gum, there's uh, maybe actual nicotine, there's uh, drinking, there's, and, and not that all of them are doing that, especially the, our high performers, because to your point, the athletic perspective, um, but there might be kind of coping mechanisms to deal with the tilt that you're really getting. You might get really um, high levels of adrenaline and stressors either positively like yay we just won or negatively no we didn't so uh they can and they're also really attuned to um kind of this often maybe biohacker conversation or what have you um that they have a say in making a lot of this difference so they're willing to spend the um, time energy and effort on it yeah very cool all right what is and this is just in general because again you you see the spectrum from everybody you see the the high end either poker player athlete to just you know the maybe the mom next door right like what is the biggest mistake that you think most people are making when it comes to to their sleep uh yeah great question um I think, so it does depend on the group, but I think um, by and large, there can be this conversation that, um, uh, or a missing or a, um, a lack of clarity around even the reason we name this company, which is called Sleep is a Skill, that this is a skill set in our modern society. And that's really the argument that we're making is that uh, versus just having it from, well, it's, you know, it's a primal thing. It's ingrained. You don't have to think about it that much. Like, you know, um, instead to take on this, uh, adopt this perspective that there's so much that we can do to make this difference. Um, and then from that place, then you can step outside of a lot of your narrative. So if it's, um, well, I'm a night owl, well, I'm an early bird, well, I'm this, I'm that, um, then from that place, you can actually make a difference over the long term. And I think that is one of the most important mindset shifts, because then once people are in that conversation, they say, OK, you're all right, fine. Um, what can I do to make a difference? Then they're willing to actually often take the steps, because with sleep, it often takes multiple days and days and days in a row uh, to really start to, over time, see some of these shifts measurably. So it does take that commitment and a strong why that you're doing the thing you're doing. 
Yeah, I love that you said the the and I, and I, that was one of my questions, right? You named the company Sleep is a Skill. And again, we just think, yeah, whatever. I just I go to sleep and right. that's what happens. But it's really interesting you said that because uh, I'm working with a pretty high-end coach for my physique. And you know what he yeah. he, he 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 said to me? He said uh, he cuz he in his questionnaire he says like, "Well, how many hours of sleep are you getting? What time do you go to bed? What time do you wake up?" And I really recently just switched my whole schedule up and I'm getting up a lot of times at like 4, 4:30 at the latest in the morning. And he wrote to me, he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> you have to get eight hours of sleep. And I was like, do I, though? But it's, to your point, right, it's that intention that you're setting, the, the whole mindset. Because I fall into that trap, too, of like, ah, I don't need that much. Like six hours, seven hours is good enough. Yes. Right? So absolutely. And I love that your coach did that. Um, and, you know, because I think that that's part of it is the realization that this is a big um, there's a puzzle at play here often with many of the hits of attention on, on our, um, on us individually day in and day out. So from that place that it does actually take our own kind of sitting and designing, um, a schedule the same way we might plan out, you know, um, uh, our nutrition plans, our workout plans, all those sort of things. We want to have a clear kind of sleep plan in the face of all of the um, things that are vying for our attention. And not all, all of us are doing that. Um, and I do think that's an exciting time uh, with as it relates to sleep trackers, because suddenly this is getting a lot more people in the conversation and they can kind of compare and gamify. Uh, and, you know, for some people, it might not be as ideal to go down the, the tracking rabbit hole. But for those that are in a place that they're exploring that, then it can really be fa like fantastic because it can start to fuel that fire, that want um, to really look in an area that we might not have prioritized. Yeah, and speaking of trackers, is there a tracker that you like? We have the Aura Ring, the BioStrap. I just recently got a BioStrap, and so I'm messing with that. Um, Great. But yeah, is there is there one that you like more than the other, or do you find that that, that tech is still in its infancy? Or I don't know. What are your thoughts? Sure. Yeah. Well, one, um, great. Love to hear your thoughts on BioStrap. The uh, guys over at BioStrap are awesome. We had them they on the awesome. podcast. Um, yeah, really great. And um, we do right now have, uh, so we'll have a lot of clients that will come through and they might have just about every tracker, sometimes wearing them all at once, quite literally. Um, <laughs> and, and sometimes even very specialized ones. And, you know, so we'll get some characters, um, but we encourage um, awareness through data because I think it can be a really fantastic, um, almost self-development tool when you get connected to really what's going on. Um, as of right now, at Sleep is a Skill, we do, we have every client uh, wearing the Aura Ring, um, but often they might be also kind of cross-comparing with the Whoop, with the BioStrap, with Apple, and, um, you know, sometimes in the past more Dream Band and other things. Yeah. So there's a lot that you can uh, play with, but we do like the simplicity right now for Aura Ring, and there's a lot that's changing, like, you know, month to month, so this could very well shift uh, in, in the future, but... Um, the ease of uh, use for Oura Ring and the user interface. Um, and, you know, it kind of hits across the board. We have people that are in their 20s wearing these, in their 80s wearing these, um, and just seems it has that stickiness as far as the um, kind of behavioral shift of wearing those and just ease of understanding. But as far as are they in their infancy, yes. Um, 
Yes and no, I guess you could say, because one, it's they're fantastic, the um, you know quantum leaps that we've made in such a short period of time. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, just knowing that there are some limitations from a consumer grade, um, you know, piece of equipment. So the any hand and wrist based trackers that are out there at the moment, um, still one of the least um, accurate pieces of data on them are the sleep stage classifications. So the deep and the REM and the light, um, you know, can be interesting, but you will, uh, and I've seen the clients do this, they'll have like kind of columns of what Whoop's giving them, BioStrap's giving them, what's, you know, Apple, with Fitbit, all the things, and they'll go nuts. They'll try to compare, and this one gives me, you know, an hour and a half of deep sleep. This one gives me 20 minutes of REM. Well, uh, they don't, you know, compute. So uh, just knowing that they each have their own unique algorithm um, and within that, you know, you might be able to see some basic pan out type trends, but um, more the information that we're kind of playing with are related to some of those kind of readiness indicators. So heart rate throughout the course of the night, HRV in particular, um, so that metric of recovery and really seeing uh, many facets of recovery in that one metric uh, and then respiratory rate, body temperature, um, blood oxygen, things of that nature. And then at times we'll go even deeper for people, depending on what they're dealing with, with um, continuous glucose monitors um, and how much that can actually play a role with sleep as well as the LEAF and other, and LEAF is continuous HRV tracker among other things. Yeah, really, really cool. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, because I think sometimes I look at the data too and yeah. I just like it for information in general, but I try not to get too um, bogged down and like, oh, well, like, it looks like my REM sleep wasn't as good, but my deep was. Yeah. I just try to look at it like how much time was I in bed in general? Were my, you know, what, how long did it take me to fall asleep? HRV, I'm always looking at, like you said, overall readiness, um, my breathing, heart rate, all that kind of stuff. But I'm not too focused in the sense like it's hard to say like, oh, yeah, because and, and then just in general, how, how do I feel? Do I feel refreshed? Do I feel, you know, ready to go? Right. Absolutely. I think it's important to do that subjective uh, check. And um, a lot of them are starting to add in more of the capabilities of sort of journaling within them uh, so that you can add in a bit more of that subjective uh, check. And then also I have seen when it's important for people to kind of take a little bit of a data fast, if you will, for a period of time so that they uh, are kind of checking out from if they're being really uh, informed not, not being informed only, but also then being impacted um, and sometimes negatively by that information, then sometimes they can take a little bit of a time off, um, get recalibrated, and then go back into getting some of that awareness. Uh, I've also seen some people put onto more like airplane mode, and then they're only updating the data every, say, five or six days, so that each day today they're not getting um, kind of messed with, but then they're still seeing those trends and can uh, course correct from there. Yeah, cool. You mentioned CGM. So I coach a lot of yeah. people in, in weight loss. I'm curious, sure. why is sleep important for weight loss? Yes, great question. Um, so huge for weight loss. And um, we actually did a kind of small, um, you know, informal look uh, through levels, continuous glucose monitors and Oura Ring users and overlaid the data and got to see one just from a sleep quality perspective and of course how this snowballs into glucose. But um, from that place, what would happen would we would see as people are eating later into the night um, 
and uh, and resulting in sort of that more instability in their glucose that they were having more wake-ups throughout the course of the night, uh, which is really wow. quite fascinating. And some of the theories being that there could be that drop in uh, glucose and resulting in sort of adrenaline and cortisol spike. And then not only are you awake, you know, just kind of like short-term wake-ups, but it's kind of that awake that you're really now awake because uh, now you got the kind of surging of, um, you know, bodily response. So, so that can be a fascinating thing that disrupts that sleep quality, uh, or making it harder to fall asleep in general. So shortening sleep duration. And so from that place in the next day, people are waking up and then had a night of poor sleep. So now their glucose is at a resting level, uh, on a higher side of things. So in certain studies, we'll see that, you know, even one or two nights of sleep deprivation seems to result in some of the, in some studies, um, jumping, you know, 25% or more, uh, in just that resting glucose level. So then, of course, that has a you know uh, snowball effect of seeking out sort of um, quick energy sources, and we're looking for the kind of you know junky food or poor choices that we might not normally make. Um, and so, of course, that can have a poor effect and keep on with the cycle because that affects the quality of that sleep. Um, so that is you know just one of those reasons, but it's also a bigger, um, you know, conversation at hand from a hormonal balance perspective, um, how that can play a role in weight loss and weight maintenance. Um, so it's just a big, big topic that they're very interconnected. So it's important, we can say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I wanted to ask you, um, and it's funny because a friend of mine just texted me. He's like, Joel, I need help. Um, <laughs> I need help with my sleep. Like, oh, my me, God. Yes. Tell me something that I need to take. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, just, and there's so many things you can say, well, you probably need to do some fear journaling, but anyways, so yeah. what about supplements? Are there any like top one to three supplements or anything that, that jumps out to you for that are that really move the needle for most people or that even you yourself take? Sure. Yeah. Great question. Um, and I absolutely appreciate you sharing about your friend too, because I get a lot of those questions and, um, so I they do want the quick fix, right? Like they just give me this and one thing and I'm like. Uh, yes. How do I answer this, right? And listen, I did, and I Go often see use Molly. myself. <laughs> yes, I, well, I often use myself as an, ex as an example of what not to do because when I was going through what I was going through with my sleep, it was absolutely that it was. I'm desperate. Give me something to make this stop. Um, so I really get it. So it's not meaning to, um, you know, short circuit that approach because that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I do think that the behavioral shifts are so crucial and almost just a waste of time, energy, money, uh, all the things until then, because once you get the behavioral side of the things from that pyramid perspective, you're, you're attacking all of those. Then on the top of the pyramid, then you can start adding in some of these supplements um, and actually beginning to see, do they work? Or are they making a difference for you or not? Um, and ideally testing. So, you know, really bringing in um, that testing philosophy before just arbitrarily laying in some of these things. Because I think some people forget that sometimes supplements can even negatively impact um, if we're not aware of what we're taking and why and the timing and all that. Um, but having said all that, assuming we're doing that and we're looking at the supplements, then um, uh, certainly some of the things that you probably heard, but just are really important to point out, uh, the magnesium topic is a big one. Um, and you have a form that you, that you like, or you gravitate to more that you've seen just with your clients or even yourself that 
Yeah. Do you like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so magnesium glycinate is one that we more tend to lean into. And then there's, of course, three and eight can be another one. Um, so, but those can also be really, really nice for um, that evening sort of wind down, ensuring that we're not having that delayed cortisol pulse and helping people to kind of calm. It's known as the calming mineral, um, you know, in the evening time. So doing that. Uh, but also you can look into some other things because, uh, vitamin D of course is so crucial for sleep. Um, but we also want to look into, can we get that from the sun? Can we get that yeah. naturally? Uh, and so that can be really, and that's absolutely a really mandate for getting great sleep is getting that sunlight at the right times um, and getting that darkness at the right times. And, you know, that can be one of the things we can possibly speak to too, is that um, circadian rhythm entrainment, because that can just be so crucial. Um, and finally, I will say, I know people talk about this one quite a lot of being melatonin. Um, now I'm not necessarily putting this in the third rung as like what you need to have in there, but it, just to speak to it. Cause I know I get so many questions about it. Um, and I can say that there certainly can be times, uh, so there's two camps. Some people will be in the camp of mega high dosing melatonin. Um, and so there's theories around that one. Um, also some interesting studies around, um, you know, kind of cancer patients and benefits received there because melatonin is, it's an interesting one because it's not just a hormone, but it's also an antioxidant. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of benefits there. Um, but I would really encourage us to make our own melatonin, which can really truly have a strategy behind the how of that. Um, but I will put in, so I am more in the camp of, um, uh, unless we're dealing with certain particular sleep disorders or things that are more acute, uh, that melatonin is one of the last supplements that we might go to um, for that sort of conversation uh, that can really systemically make a difference. Um, but at the same time, it can be helpful for things like jet lag, uh, shift workers, um, if you're trying to retrain your circadian rhythm, or if you're dealing sometimes even with acute health issues, um, that that can be something on a short term that you could bring in. Love that. Really quick on melatonin, I'm curious for, and again, every client's going to be individual, the bio-individuality that you're going to work yeah. with. But um, I've always thought with my clients not to have them on these mega doses. And I see a lot of these pills come in like six milligram forms. I like the droppers in that you can kind of titrate even 0.5 milligrams or just smaller amounts, especially if you're just yeah. taking on a regular basis. Um, but then, of course, there's times, I think, to pulse it to go higher. I don't know. What are your thoughts and, and from the yeah, research that well, you've seen? Yeah, one, um, often leaning towards the, you know, sublingual um, kind of way uh, administering and dosing. Um, I think that can have a lot of benefits and, but also uh, particularly what you're saying of being able to lean into the lower dosage amount. I think that's really important. Um, I've even seen clients, it's sometimes almost being like a um, psychological kind of uh, connection that they, you know, might wake up in the middle of the night, they can't go back to sleep and then being able to have not like a full dose, um, but a small dose, even from a standpoint of this will now help me, um, almost that placebo effect. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's always the case, but I'm just saying that sometimes, um, even being able to just dose a little bit of that, it seems to make a difference for some. Yeah. Cool. Um, you're a biohacker and you like to play with tech. What's what's some cool or just neat tech that you're really that you're seeing and you're and that you guys that you're using and with your clients that that you really like? Yeah. Um, so 
we do have a lot of people wearing the LEAF, um, L-I-E-F, and that's a continuous HRV tracker, um, which is really interesting because uh, now it is more of a, uh, less of a kind of common wearable because it does take, you have to put on kind of almost like medical grade stickers to wear it. Um, and there are some other kind of HRV companies that are uh, on the move and some that are even, you know, can't speak about this particulars quite yet, but they're they're coming and exciting. Uh, so I think that that's going to be really a space that could be really disrupted very soon of how to actually make sense of daytime HRV trackers. Because right now, anytime we're talking about HRV, most of us are talking about um, you know, nocturnal HRV. And so that's one type of HRV reading while you're sleeping, but it's devoid of a lot of the other pieces of noise that might be present, um, with daytime HRV because, and noise being like, if you're eating a meal, that's going to bring down your HRV. If you're talking, that's going to bring down your HRV. The way you're standing, if you're slouching, I mean, so many things, um, mm -hmm. and whereas some of these different pieces of tech can start to, um, pull out or help you make sense in the face of that, of things that might be at play or sending you into a real stress response, but then also kind of um, will in real time be helping you to change your behavior because one of the best access points to shifting your HRV is through your breath. Um, and so like the leaf will buzz you when you're going into a real heavy stress state, like a red zone, uh, and then it will help you shift your breathing in the moment um, which can be really valuable. Like I've seen clients do something like that and they, you know, have to have a big conversation with someone or, you know, a coworker or whatever. And, uh, in prep for that, they saw that even just the anticipation of that conversation was stressing them out. So that actually had them before the conversation do some of this breath work training. And then you can color code it, go from, um, from red to blue. And suddenly it's like, oh, wait, I do have a say in my nervous system response. And so much of sleep is that. Uh, so it's, you know, often it's not just that, but it's often a big part um, is this inability to kind of put the brakes on our stress response, um, particularly going into the evening or throughout the course of the evening. So the more that we can train ourselves to do that uh, throughout the course of the day and kind of normalize those hormonal patterns of kind of that cortisol and melatonin interplay, uh, the better. Yeah. Wow. I love that you said it because like you said, uh, even with your own experience, it wasn't like you just got there. It was a culmination of events that led you there. And just like us, I think we get to sleep or we think about sleep. It's like, all right, well, it's nighttime. And this is the, this is what I'm thinking about right now in this very moment. I'm going to bed yeah. and I can't sleep. And it's like, actually, it probably started right in the moment you woke up and yes. led to now. So that's so cool that you yes. said I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I, I love the way you put it too, because that's actually one of the things that we're often pointing to is that we're really trying to, um, turn upside down this topic of sleep. Cause often if you are having issues with your sleep, you Google, you know, help me sleep. sleep uh, and then you might get like this generic sort of, um, sleep hygiene advice and take the TV out, you know, use lavender, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I think that instead of, of attacking the evenings, then what if we were to really see where the source point of it often is, is to your point, the moment we wake up. So often nowadays, the moment we wake up, it's, uh, instead of getting outside and getting this morning sunlight, which, you know, and that's a whole other podcast in and of itself of the yeah. why and the physics of the importance for that. But 
Um, you know, so many of us are doing the exact opposite and beginning in that kind of sympathetic response system from the very first start of our day and then kind of getting stuck in that mechanism and not being able to hit the brakes. Uh, so the more we can interrupt that and it does not often happen, you know, overnight, but the moment to moment interruptions help retrain us that yes, we do actually have a say and that plays out in the evening. Very neat. Love it. Um, I know we're running up on the hour, and so I want to. We're gonna have to probably do a round two. It's it's okay, right? Um, I know. <laughs> what uh, I'm cur curious. What uh, what exciting projects are you working on right now? Anything coming out soon? Yeah. So yeah, really exciting. Um, so as far as sleep as a skill, um, we're really aiming to get as much um, content out as possible and information for people, no matter where they might be in their sleep. So we do, um, you know, we're on a hundred and our hundred and eighty like third um, weekly newsletter. So that goes out every Monday, um, giving as much sleep information as possible, lots of sleep experiments, cool you know, sleep um, trackers or products or um, techniques that people are doing, but then measuring uh, along the way. Um, and so with the newsletter, we're continuing to build on that. We do the weekly podcast, um, but in alignment with that now, we've partnered with a few different companies that we're helping to get content out uh, through their platforms to further spread this message of really transforming this conversation around sleep. Uh, so now we're in hotels, uh, work with different uh, big brands. We're connected with uh, Chili Tech, um, and uh, we're also connecting newly with um, kind of more of a skin baseline. Um, it's international that, you know, promoting the elements of sleep and how that um, helps with kind of cellular repair. Uh, so in those different directions, but then we're also launching, um, a more in-depth, small group kind of, uh, course, if you will, um, that helps, but still brings in, you have to still wear these trackers and, um, but from a group perspective, have those more observed that way. So, um, that's something we're really excited about and how kind of we can gamify as a group together our sleep. Wow. So it doesn't sound like you're up to much then. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, well, uh, Molly has a great podcast. So if anybody wants, because I know we didn't get to a lot of stuff. If you want to know more about sleep and curcating like entrainment, which I, we didn't even get yeah. to, but check out our podcast. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, to that point on circadian rhythm and treatment, I think even just that alone for people can be life changing um, because it's absolutely within those systems of it brings about all the things that sleep loves, which is, you know, consistency, regularity, connections to the rhythms of nature, not in a woo woo way, but in a literal biological way of why that's so important. Um, but then extending out into other rhythms, ultradian rhythms, like, you know, for women in their cycles and different things and how all of these things um, measurably show up in your sleep results uh, routinely, depending on, you know, what stage of life that you might be at. Uh, so lots of things that might have been in the blind spot that they would affect sleep are really present. So we aim to help um, people make sense of that. Cool. Um, I want to hop into some lightning round questions, but before yeah. I do, anything that I didn't ask you that, uh, that you wish I had? Um... No, I think um, I think just even having the forum to uh, underscore this message, because I think even just when we, even if we get across the message that um, sleep is a skill set that we can start to get curious about it, learn about it, um, I think that that begins this process of suddenly people are more apt to make some of these behavioral shifts, and often they are free and they are uh, something that can just be life changing. Yeah, awesome. Well said. 
All right. You ready for some lightning round questions? Yes. All right. If the old you could see the new you, what would the new you say? Uh, uh, what would the old me say? What would the new okay. you say to your old self? Oh, new me to old self. Okay. Uh, I would old. So new me would say to old me, uh, just really trust in the process. Slow down. Um, you know, I think, and it's just almost cliche at this point uh, for so many of us, but I yeah. think that that's really the simplicity is uh, just that's all we need to really do. <laughs> it's so true. It's, it's, and it's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. To, tr yes. to trust yes. that you're, you're doing the right thing and that, um, yeah, just trust the process. All good things yes. will keep coming, right? What are uh, what are some choices that you made that you think made you who you are today? Well, on the topic of sleep, um, you know, even taking the Ambien when I got prescribed it and in that moment feeling shameful about it and, oh, my God, what a mess. I can't even, you know, X, Y, Z, all this internal dialogue. Um, but I think that actually – was so important that period um, of time to kind of go through and uh, just, you know, really have things not work uh, for an extended period of time. And uh, from that place, have the, the motivation, gumption, drive uh, to really share that message because um, that process really taught me a lot and uh, has really, I've had the benefit of working with others around now. And I think it's just so valuable. Yeah, well said. I mean, your burnout became our benefit, right? <laughs> that's, really. that's where we're going for. Yes, yeah. that's the goal. <laughs> uh. um, I'm curious, you know, you're such a force in the health and wellness world. Like, who inspires you? Who do you follow? Oh, yeah. Good question. Um, well, uh, I feel like one who's having uh, quite a moment right now is uh, Andrew Huberman, and I've really enjoyed his podcast. Um, I think, and I've shared a lot of his um, episodes with, you know, others and um, people on our newsletter, what have you. We'll speak to at different points because I think it's just such a nice um, opportunity or place to point to that is bringing some high caliber uh, information and kind of latest research, um, but distilling it in a way that um, you can really see the why for yourself that you want to make these changes because, you know, a lot of the um, things that can come out of it are behavioral based in nature, but we often need a really strong reason for that. Yeah. Great. Yeah, he's he's doing and he does. He's doing a lot of he has a lot of the clinical stuff. So it's always great to see some of the things that he's able to to do within with his lab. Right. The Huberman. Lab. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm a big reader. Any any books? They're like they're like a top one to three books that jump out at you that you'd recommend someone else read that had a lot of impact in your life. Sure, sure. Um, well, you know, uh, keeping in the theme of sleep, um, so I think there's just a couple that at this point, if people haven't read, it just makes sense to read. Probably everyone's, or not everyone, but a lot of people might have seen the Why We Sleep book. Um, so that one is really just a great sort of gateway into this world of the really importance of sleep. Uh, but then I think another really fascinating one is called Circadian Code um, by Dr. Sachin Panda uh, and looking at how the timing of our food can influence our circadian rhythm. Um, and I know we didn't get to speak too much to that today, um, but certainly that is the whole game of really realizing how we have this 24-hour rhythm. Um, and how so many things can influence it. And one of them very strongly being the times that we eat. And even if it's 
healthy food, not healthy food, um, and those can play a role too, but the timing uh, can be such a big deal there. Uh, and third is the sleep book. Um, and so that's for people that are dealing with sleep anxiety um, or you know just kind of over fixation on their sleep and but not having real source um, points of places of action really to make a difference with it. Um, the sleep book can be really a nice approach versus CBTI, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. It brings about ACTI, acceptance commitment therapy for insomnia. Um, and so kind of a, just a different um, approach to managing that anxiety. Awesome. Well, those are great. I love that. I didn't know about the last one either, so I'm glad you. Oh, good. That That's good. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Very helpful. Any rituals or hacks that you like to, or practices that you do on a regular basis? I'm curious. Um, so right now I'm trying to almost actively pull back some of my things because, yeah. uh, you know, that can also be a balance too when you're doing 9 million uh, hacks and isms, you know, sometimes just the simplicity and peace can be a big one. Um, so I am doing that. But uh, for me, it's uh, no matter where I am on the globe after, after my sleep issues, I ended up traveling for three years. Um, it's a digital nomad for quite some time in Southeast Asia. Um, and no matter where I'd find myself on the globe, uh, getting that morning sunlight, uh, often travel with red lights, um, then also have, so red therapeutically, but then also red motion lights. Uh, so a lot of the lighting is top concern, temperature getting as cool as possible. Um, but then also, throughout the course of the day, supplementing at particular, um, with particular types of supplements that make sense for you. Um, and, but then there's so many more things that you can bring in from an individual basis uh, to help support your sleep. So that's almost a longer topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but those are great. Those are great. Um, awesome. Last but not least, Molly, where can people find you and learn more about you? Yeah, sleep is a skill is really a great kind of bucket for all the things. So there um, you can take a sleep assessment, get real-time feedback on your specific sleep, sign up for the newsletter, podcast, um, or if you're really dealing with your sleep, looking for either one-on-one -on -one, um, or small group training. Awesome. Molly, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me and so excited to connect more. I know we've only just scratched the surface.